HVAC 360 is brought to you today by Boiler Room Films. Hey, everybody, we want you to meet two of our new superheroes from our upcoming film, The Construction Never Ends Game. First off, we're going to meet the guy they just call The Welder. Here he is. Yeah, so uh, I can weld steel pipes with my hands when I touch my fingertips together. Voila! A perfectly welded seam in seconds. Uh, unfortunately, I got some pretty small hands, so we're not talking big pipe here. And I'm still working on welding plastic pipes. They get all gooey. A little bit too much juice, you know. <laughs> Next up, we have the man they call Mr. Treatment. Uh, yes, my power is using my sense of taste. I can tell exactly what your chemical treatment program needs. Not only that, but I can also produce these chemicals and add them into your system. Uh, in wee amounts, if you get my drift. Never have to worry about scale corrosion or biologicals again with me on the project. Look for the premiere of The Construction Never Ends Game. Coming to you later this summer. Hey everybody, welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for the HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. Each week, I'm either sharing information and lessons learned from the field or talking with industry experts. Uh, but I don't stop there. I want to encourage you to double down on your weekly helping of HVAC knowledge by hopping on over to HVAC360.com and joining my growing community of people just like you. All right, so what do we got this for this week? Uh, we got a little little paper shuffling in the background, so I uh, apologize ahead of time. But this week we're going to talk about the uh, ASHRAE webcast. Now, they did a little bit differently uh, this year. Not, I, I, don't, I don't like the changes, uh, but I know that at least they have uh, the uh, webcast up and ready for anybody who wants to watch it now. Um, I guess my, my biggest biggest bone to pick with them is that y there was no kind of uh, you either had to be there to get the credits um, or or nothing. So there was no kind of replay. There was no they kind of changed that format a little bit so they didn't have a replay available um, to ask questions and and get that done. So, but you know, of all things being equal, uh, it's still worth the watch and i'll put that link in the show notes um for the youtube video uh you just look at for ashray video and you can actually on youtube and you can find it pretty easily but i'll i'll list it in the show notes as well so but for those of you who don't have the two hours to spend i'm going to try to condense what i learned in the webcast for you all right so first off they started talking about and again this is the the title of this was Future of Refrigerants, and they were talking about unitary pieces of equipment uh, and VRF systems. But, uh, you know, it really could apply to just about anything because they were talking about refrigerants in general, uh, not just unitary pieces. So the one thing that uh, I guess you want to understand is that a lot of the regulation uh, and policy issues centered around the fact that uh, refrigerants, they have an impact to the ozone. Um, everybody's 
pretty much gotten a handle on the the other variables of that, but the GWP was the big one that people wanted to to uh, to reduce. Now, uh, specifically refrigerants, you know, there's a couple of things that they want refrigerants to be. They want they want to find quality refrigerants. They want to have uh, them perform safely. Obviously, they want to have it uh, uh, to perform well and have that energy efficiency. So those are kind of some of the the qualities they they look for in a refrigerant. But the GWP is, if you don't understand that, is how it compares to, yeah, that's the global warming potential and how it compares to CO2. CO2 is the baseline. Um, so that's your kind of your zero mark. And essentially what it is, is uh, infrared absorption. How much heat, is it better or worse than CO2? Does it absorb more heat and keep heat longer um, than CO2 does? So... Something that I guess you have to get you know reminded of uh, from time to time. Now I guess there is a uh, a balancing act between the refrigerant qualities and the potential system inefficiencies, and this is this is um, really what you want. There's inherently when we're moving away from the refrigerants that we used to use, uh, those were pretty good pretty good efficiencies. Um, they had a lot of uh, benefits, and we're just trying to trying to get back to where we were with those. Um, we're, we're not going to do it, but we're going to get close. And that's kind of what these future refrigerants that they talk about um, are all about. Now, I guess the three sort of regulatory pieces of information that, that you want to be aware of, obviously, there's the Montreal Protocol, um, the Kyoto Protocol, and the Kigali Amendment. That was a new one that, that I learned uh, during the, the webcast. Now, the Montreal Protocol is one that we have adopted here in the U.S. and adopted, you know, a lot of different places. But um, that is set to be complete by 2030. So just kind of keeping an eye on exactly when things are supposed to be all done. Um, 2030 is that deadline. Now, the Kyoto Protocol wasn't ratified here in the U.S., but uh, and either was the Kigali Amendment, but the Kigali Amendment actually was an amendment to the Montreal Protocol just to kind of update things. Now, the EU has come up with um, their own set of uh, updates uh, trying, to, trying to get um, some regulation on the books, and this is what they call the F-gas regulations, um, and it started about 2018. So if you want to learn more about that, just take a look at F-gas regulations in the EU. All right. Now, obviously, when, you know, the, some of the original refrigerants, they wanted to get rid of the chlorine because the chlorine molecule, that was, that was kind of, that was the CFCs and the HCFCs. Those were what they wanted to get rid of. And that was kind of the first, um, the first big hurdle. So they settled on now the the HFCs. So when they're trying to get to, from the HCFCs to the HFCs, now that uh, HCFC that they typically were referencing was R22, just so you know. But the HFCs, and the F is for the, the, the fluorine molecule, um, there's a number of them that they had different options for. So going from R22 to a, a more standardized HFC, um, they were looking at 404A, which tended to be uh, less efficient. It didn't have the coefficient of uh, performance of COP. That got reduced quite a bit. 
Um, 407C had some issues with Glide, and we'll talk a little bit about Glide later. Um, R32, um, again, a single molecule. Um, that is flammable. So that was that was kind of put on the, the, the back burner, so to speak. And the one that they ended up church, you know, pretty much focusing on was uh, R410A. Um, that had less uh, glide than 407C, and uh, but it did have slightly higher pressures that you're you're going to have to deal with. Now that's that's interesting because if you've been kind of in the industry uh, for long enough to to see the transition, the migration from from the R22. Uh, to some of these others. You did see a 407C, you did see 410A, um, but now it's kind of all 410A um, just because of the properties. And you're going you're gonna to say, and you know, the, the results are going to be that you're going to end up seeing some of these uh, uh, multiple refrigerants being used by different manufacturers going forward uh, because they're, you know, they're trying to settle on you know, um, different refrigerants, and there's no clear-cut winner, so to speak, right now. Um, When taking a look at the U.S. consumption, the vast majority of, uh, you know, the the dominant new unit um, is that 410A. Uh, R22 is still around. Uh, Now, if you look to Europe and other places, uh, R32, remember, that was flammable. Um, That is in... Uh, 50% of the new equipment in 2019. So that's that's gaining market share. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that was that was a common theme, um, the flammability. That you're, you're, you're going to end up seeing refrigerants that are more flammable. Now, the one thing that was, that was very interesting, and, you know, it was... Um, because of the, the, you know, the 410A, I never really realized, you know, I knew it was a blend, but I didn't know it necessarily a blend of what I didn't really have the, I wasn't really, you know, interested in, you know, getting into down to the nitty gritty there. But it turns out that the 410A blend is actually a blend. It's a 50% blend of R32 and R125. Now you might say to me, Matt, R32 is flammable, but I know that 410A is not flammable. It's still a 1A gas. What's up with that? Well, let me explain. The The reason they added the R125 is because it's a more of a flame-resistant molecule. So when you blend the two together in that 50-50 blend, the whole uh, refrigerant becomes... Uh, not flammable. So that was that was that was the one bonus of the 125. Anyway, um, so let's get into this range, this uh, the glide they, they they talk about. So when they talk about glide, they're um, they're talking about um, the blend of the refrigerant. Uh, the blend is since different refrigerants obviously have different properties. Uh, when you put them together, that doesn't change. Um, you know, they'll they'll still have maybe a a, a kind of a a human, uniform behavior. But one of the things that they do do is they still um, they change phase at different they they boil off at different points. So you're going to have a range where some start to boil, 
and then the others, it's going to be a, a different temperature that's going to boil. And that difference of temperature between the two boiling points, that's called the glide. Um, and the smaller, really, realistically, the smaller, the better. Um, because you're going to have impacts on, you know, what you're going to uh, calculate as, uh, as far as your approach temperature is to the coil um, and setting in the way you set the coil up. And also there is issues with... Uh, maintenance and leaks, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. So the smaller the the range, the smaller the the glide, the better. Typically, if you're if you're looking at a glide of um, like three degree three degrees, uh, that's pretty good. Um, some of the refrigerants that they were looking at um, as far as replacements were you know up in the the seven five or the uh, uh, seven to nine range, and it's it's still acceptable, but. Obviously, there are just some other things that you have to keep in mind. All right. Now, the one thing, um, obviously, when we're talking about the the, the chlorine uh, molecule with the CFCs and the HCFCs, um, that they were looking at phasing out the refrigerants. They were looking at, you know, stopping production on R11, R12, um, and they didn't want even R22. They're gonna they're gonna want to phase that out. But the HFCs are gonna have a phase down. So they're looking to transition, but they're not looking to totally stop the production of the HFCs. So you know, 410A is going to be around. Um, they just want to minimize and try to transition to a lower GWP. Um, to be able to satisfy that. I mean, they're, they're ultimately, they're looking at getting uh, down to a, a GWP of 300 or less. And uh, just as a, a comparison, you know, R, R11 and R12 had in the, you know, tens of thousands, um, that was their GWP. So we're, <laughs> we're much better off uh, with some of these new refrigerants, even at the, the minor inefficiencies that we, we do get hit with. So the, the one thing that, that, you know, they had questions during the webinar. One of the questions says, you know, should I keep my R22 equipment until final refrigerants are available? Um, understanding that the question um, really understood that what we're going to see here is we're going to see a transition from, you know, we saw the transition from R22 to 410A, and we're going to see another transition to some other refrigerants. But ultimately, we're going to get to refrigerants that we're going to end up using for a long time um, that, you know, we've, we've pretty much settled on. Um, I don't think that there's going to be improvements beyond that. Um, there could, but the, the, the kind of the vibe from the webcast was ultimately there's going to be, you know, around 2028, we're going to have some final refrigerants. Um, and, you know, that's going to be up to, you know, the refrigerant manufacturers and the unit manufacturers to figure out exactly what that would be. Um, curiously enough, uh, you know that uh, um, there was um, announcement that um, residential equipment efficiencies are going to uh, be changing around 2023. Uh, so there's going to be a shakeup in another four years or so with the efficiencies there, and that's going to that's going to play into you know what ends up ultimately um, happening with the refrigerants. And since the residential market is a large portion of, of what we're talking about. Um, that's what we're, uh, um, that's what we'll focus on. So now they looked at, they basically, they, then they split the webinar up into two different sections. They looked at lower, uh, 410A alternates 
and they looked at uh, the lower GWPs for the 410A alternates. And also then they uh, took a look at the uh, under 300, the, uh, the GWPs under 300. Now, what you need to know here is that um, the alternates to 410A, and here's where we get these kind of, of the staggered, you, it's, it's not going to be a final, final change from 410A. Any, any of the alternates that were around and, and alternates to the 410A uh, uh, refrigerant, they, they couldn't get, some of the lowest GWPs were around 450. Um, so currently what they're looking at, um, they'll improve the uh, 410A and um, they're really looking at uh, um, coming up with and focusing on, on one of those refrigerants, but then they're going to have to make another transition away from that. And again, um, you know, it, <coughs> excuse me, the one thing that they did say is that, you know, why not come up with a completely new molecule? I mean, why not, why not focus on somewhere else? And realistically, um, they said that there's a limited number of molecules that work well with refrigerant or work well as a refrigerant. And the fact that you're going to end up having a blend because you want to, uh, you want to have certain properties uh, in a refrigerant. So you're going to have, you're, you're, you're going to end up with a blend um, of some variety. So that's, and, the, and the, the change, why they also, why they don't want to go, um, you know, just kind of reinvent the wheel is they already have equipment that is set up for a certain refrigerant. So if you change all the properties about it, um, then it's going to be uh, very impactful to all the equipment manufacturers. They don't want to make that, that, you know, that big of change at, you know, just one time. Now, there is going to be a big change uh, because, again, like I said before, the, the future of refrigerants, where they're going, is they're going to go with a more flammable refrigerant. Um, so, but there's, there's only, I think, if you talk about the, the lower, the other 410A alternates, there's 466A is the only one of those that really is non-flammable. Um, all the rest have larger portions of that R32 molecule, um, again, which is flammable. When we look at the under 300 GWPs, and uh, you really are, um, these are more of the, the high glide type blends. They have, you know, different molecules, but they're not, you know, they have these different boiling points for them, so you have the, the the wider glide, and I guess the the thing that's important to realize about these glides, um, you talk about maintenance, you talk about leaks. So what what is that? Um, because if there's a leak in the system and you don't know what boils off when, um, you have to fix the leak, take the charge out, um, or take the charge out, fix the leak, and then you have to charge the system with a completely new charge. Of the refrigerant, you don't know because it's going to uh, the 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 ratio of the different uh, blends is going to leak out at a different rate, and you don't know. There's no way to necessarily test that um, for sure, and then just you know pump in new. You just have the refrigerant, the bottle of refrigerant, so you really need to draw everything out, recover that, 
get it recycled, and then put the new refrigerant into your system. So you just can't top it off. And the one thing that they they wanted to, they also stressed is that um, you know unlike some of the uh, when they tested and compared different refrigerants, they used them in a, a kind of a drop in type of um, and ta- you know they used them as uh, like a drop in. And what I mean by that is that you know say a machine was set up for R four ten A. Um, and they took that R410A and they put different refrigerants that they wanted to compare the performance to, and they put that into the same machine. Um, now, obviously, this is in a lab environment. They definitely know what they were doing, but this is something that can be extremely dangerous, especially when you're dealing with flammable refrigerants. Um, this is some of the, the most dangerous things that you run into. So, Dropping in some of these new refrigerants to uh, an older machine, it's it's just going to be a no-go. It's a non-starter um, because of the flammability and, you know, the different things, the different safeties um, that they're going to have associated with the new equipment, with the new refrigerant. All right. Curiously enough, the, the question did come up, hey, what about, uh, what about CO2? Um, CO2 is as a refrigerant. It's been around for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, why, why is that not going to be, you know, the go-to, you know, because the GWP there is, you know, it's zero, you know, it is, it is the standard. But the interesting part, and I, I never really um, understood this because I've seen it being used in some new projects, but the CO2 basically has, it's very low efficiency. It's not very efficient. And what the, the, how you can get away with that is that they are in um, industries where this minimum energy efficiency standards um, is, not, uh, is not there. So, you know, when you're dealing with like coolers and things like that, it's, it's just not there as far as, you know, supermarket coolers. Um, it's it the energy efficiency standards aren't there, but for the other you know residential standards, yeah, you there are efficiency standards, and CO two is is not anywhere near um, what these refrigerant blends um, that they have now or that they're going to have in the future. Um, it's just not the same. And the, one of the problems with CO two, I guess, is it just it doesn't uh, um, you're. You, to get it, um, it doesn't condense. So it's always kind of a gas um, for the most part. Um, and I'm going to stop there because I am not an expert in CO2. Um, we could probably have somebody on uh, that does a little bit more than that. So some of the, you know, some of the product risks. Um, we, they talked about factory, factory charging. That's going to be a low risk. They're going to have transportation and storage of these new uh, systems and these new uh, flammable refrigerants. That's going to be a pretty low risk. Um, the operation of the equipment, that's going to be a low risk as well. Um, where you get high risk is you get the installation service recovery and decommissioning of systems. Um, because that is where, obviously, you know, uh, an errant spark could set things off. So there's definitely going to be more training involved, you know, as far as the, the technicians out there that go, um, the maintenance people, um, they're going to have to understand exactly what to, uh, what to focus on, what to do, and the different procedures that they're going to have to learn. 
Now, with the standard, you know, the 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 four ten or the four ten A, that's a non flammable A one type refrigerant. That uh, is, they focus on the oxygen deple- depletion limit. Um, so when you're talking about putting those, you know, especially with VRF systems, and you're talking about space, uh, and you're talking about uh, you know, what are some of the concerns there? And it's really the, you know, depletion of oxygen and, you know, suffocation. Um, you, with the different refrigerants, talking about the, the A2L and the A3, um, they are going to be size limited um, because even though they do have an, uh, an oxygen, an ODL, an oxygen depletion limit, um, that's not going to be the primary driver. That's going to be the focus. Um, you're going to end up having um, systems, additional systems in there that um, really detect uh, detect leaks. Um, you're going to have to have some sort of circulation or ventilation uh, that dilutes the uh, dil- dilutes the leak. And you're going to have to have a way to shut off the refrigerant. Um, to be able to isolate it and to be able to minimize the amount of refrigerant lost. So kind of like uh, gas piping, you're going to have to have some sort of um, you know, shutoff valve. And that's just going to be a few of these. There's going to be a whole different policy and procedures that are going to take place. So when you start to get these new refrigerants, these new flammable refrigerants, just don't assume that it's just like you know going from R22 to 410A. Um, or 407C, or, or whatever you have, you're going to have to focus on designing it correctly. Uh, ultimately, what this leads to is this leads to smaller sizes. They're going to have, um, you, know, uh, you know, smaller units, uh, you know, less than three tons, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's really what they, they want to focus on. Um they did mention uh, in, in some of the, the Q&As, they did mention a couple of things. They did mention propane, that's R290, um, if you're uh, playing, if you're uh, scoring at home. Um, and again, this can be used, again, but in smaller limits. Um, and again, window units, dehumidification units, um, or possibly larger exterior systems. Again, if you get it outside, and that's kind of what, what you're really looking into, if you're getting it outside, then you can... Um, you have different things that, uh, you know, different rules that you're going to have to follow. Um, it's not going to be so restrictive. And uh, they also talked about ammonia out there. And again, that has been used for a long, long time, but usually in more of a, a larger industrial commercial refrigeration applications. So uh, let's see. Ultimately, the, the, uh, what, they, what they kind of... Uh, resulted in and what the what the results were is yes it's going to be it's going to be more flammable there's going to be different things that you're going to have to learn about you know as far as engineers about technicians uh, as far as you know how to handle it how to design it um, and you could see uh, more heat exchangers so heat exchangers taking a a you know using a uh, a primary loop of the uh, the refrigerant outside and then taking a secondary loop using a heat exchanger and taking that secondary loop in, <coughs> inside uh, you could use smaller uh, basically smaller groups so you're going to have uh, more of a um, distributed type of system rather than a, a more of a centralized system so that's some of the things that you can say um, also using uh, chillers you know air cooled chillers on the outside 
um, that's going to be something that uh, they might see a little bit more of. All right, so that is my, you know, <laughs> condensed half hour of uh, the two-hour program. Um, if any of those things were a little bit confusing to you, you know, go ahead and, and watch it on YouTube. It's 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 not that bad. Um, if you want to hear the experts instead of my kind of rehash of it, but that's that's really the important things uh, that you need to know. Um, nothing's set in stone yet. And uh, just keep an eye on what's coming out in the future. So, uh, having said that, I appreciate you, and thanks so much for listening. I hope this was helpful. If you know somebody who's looking for more information about this, uh, consider passing the episode along. I mean, that, that really does help uh, broaden the listener base. Uh, and you're doing me a huge favor. Huge flavor, huge favor. Um, if you're not a subscriber, consider joining the growing community of people just like you over at HVAC360.com for more weekly goodness. And lastly, I'd be greatly honored if you'd consider leaving me a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, also, as a note, um, if you could go ahead and go to the my YouTube channel at HVAC360 and um, subscribe there as well, even though if you are a listener of the podcast uh, on your podcast app. That is uh, That would be greatly helpful to me. All right, well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know. <laughs>